on, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the All Pro Jockos, where we bring you the highly elevated sports talk for the highly elevated sports fan. I'm your host, JP. Hey, yo. And alongside me, as always, the 610 Beast from the Southeast, Mr. Country K. You need your white people. And ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the year. It is the beginning of what we call the NFL football season. I I I just I, I love hearing it every time. And I love hearing it and seeing it now. But football is back, people. NFL season has begun. And the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Rams are going at it Thursday night football to start off the year. And just now, uh, the Buffalo Bills scored a touchdown to go up 16-10 to begin the second half. Uh, Pending the extra point, we're looking at 17-10. And we're back to the... Uh, the watch-alongs on Thursday nights for Thursday Night Football as well as Monday Night Football. So this is going to be a year that we are going to love and enjoy. And looking at fantasy football now, uh, Mad Sticks is uh, at this point right now kicking my ass. Uh, he's beat me 29-10 to 10 with just Diggs and Allen. Uh And I only have my kicker playing. So, the whole long – like, he's still projected to lose by 20 points. But, you know, if Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs go off, then I might be looking at some trouble going down the line. Trouble, trouble. <laughs> but, Kay, uh, now that football season has begun. Oh, wait, Pretty actually. Much. Hold on. Before we go any further. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, later on in the show at 7.30, we have the absolute pleasure to have a conversation with the co-founder of the UFC and an advisory board member for the A7FL, David Isaacs. He is going to be on with us at 7.30 to talk about the, the old days of UFC and uh, what possible things in the future that uh, that can happen with them. So going to be an interesting conversation to have with him. Uh, but for now, again, it's going to be all football until we talk to David. And then after we talk to David, it's probably going to be some more football. Uh, but early predictions, uh, Kay, you had some grievances to air out uh, with some people who were questioning your football knowledge. Yeah. yeah my friends back at home. I mean, you – Everybody knows you got friends. You're going you're gonna to debate and all that stuff. I mean, it is what it is. At this point, uh, <laughs> I'll say it like this. I'll give you guys one talking point that we had, right? Chris, I fucking love you. I'm going to say this shit ahead of time before I go there. You, I love you, and you know you're my dog. You know what I'm saying? But we both know I ain't, I'm not capping about nothing I'm going to say. And that refers to Chris Rainey. I'm not. Capping by none, I'm saying. All right. So one of the talking points we had was about um, 
because one of my friends he was in fantasy and he was like he has the guys he have one guy on uh that's playing right now he got tyler higby and mm. uh, he's a rams fan though so he was he's kind of torn because the other person that he's playing against i think they have they got like oh they got uh josh allen and they had like uh somebody else I don't know. They had somebody else on the thing. So he was basically, we were just having a conversation about it. And I was just saying that uh, how that how he was going to lose. And one of my strongest points about how he was going to lose is because Derrick Henry's playing the Giants. The New York football Giants. Derrick Henry, I'm like, Derrick Henry's probably going to go for 50. <laughs> After a lot of you know, back and forth and stuff like that. My 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 biggest thing was the biggest thing that I was saying, which is more likely, Derrick Henry tearing his ACL or Derrick Henry going for 50 against the foot New York football giants. And I said 50. He's <laughs> like, that's just being honest. It's more likely for him to do that than him getting hurt. It's like, yeah, he got hurt the last two years, but he got hurt because of overuse. You see what I'm saying? They use him too motherfucking much. That's all that shit is. They got Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback, so you don't have a serviceable quarterback. You have good receivers and no quarterback. So you sitting there, you sitting there relying on your running back to do everything, the man going to get hurt. Like, what do you think was going to happen? Like, I, I told him this analogy. I said, 40, you're running the ball 40 times in a 16-game season. You think he ain't going to get hurt? Like, those are a lot of touches, man. CMC, that was their comparison. CMC, they like he likes CMC, and I'm like, no, nah, they're not the same. I'm like, at least, at least Ryan Tannehill gets a chance to actually throw the ball and try to do some shit. He stink up the field, but he tried to do some. Well, I ain't gonna say that because he's been playing decent. I can't give him no more than decent. Decent is literally the highest I can go for Ryan Tannehill. You've been being decent. I feel like Mike Vrabel been doing a motherfucking magician's work, but that's between everybody in the goddamn NFL. So uh, they saying they're like him and CMC is equivalent. And I'm like, no, nah, because CMC, they ain't got shit over there. Every time CMC playing, he touching the ball mandatory 30 times. Mandatory. See what I'm saying? Like, it's, like you can literally look that up. He's damn near getting that bitch 30 times. Like, whether it's catching out the <clears throat> goddamn backfield, whether it's running the ball in the back, he's touching the ball at least 30 times in the game when he's healthy or playing. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't necessarily sit here and compare the two of them. It's like, Nah, I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? I said that CMC is like Chris Rainey because all of us are from the same city. They went to my robber high school. They obviously was over that maddest shit when we was winning all them goddamn games. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to Lakeland. I don't got to be on the team to know that this much. Like, they, they broadcast everything. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I have classes with these men. I knew these people before we went to high school. You see what I'm saying? I'm asking, like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, or you hear, like, oh, shit, Chris got to get a surgery. Oh, oh, Chris got to do this. Or me trying to get on the fucking football team and the people I'm hanging out, I'm doing bad decisions, dumb decisions, and have to lead the team. You see what I'm saying? Like, I was there. Like, you, my point of saying all this, I was there. So I knew what was going on. The man didn't like working out. He got hurt when he was in high school. That was, that was the thing. And they were saying, well, he didn't get hurt like that with the Steelers. I'm like, yeah, because they drafted him as a return specialist. You see what I'm saying? They said, you, I'm like, yeah, because they drafted him as that, as a return specialist. I'm like, you think Chris Rainey could have did what Le'Veon Bell was doing? No. I'm like, Chris Rainey is not a power back. They're a power run team when they had Big Ben and all them receivers and shit. That's what they running back. That's what they asked they running back to do. Power run. At that, at, at that time, yeah. 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 
power, be a power runner because we're going to throw the ball as much as we can because we have fucking goddamn AB and goddamn uh, Juju. You get what I'm saying? Or whoever the fuck the other guy before Juju was uh, drafted. Hans Ward, I'm sorry. Hans Ward. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, come on, dog. Like, you can't sit here and compare the two. And then especially when you go to that and it's like, oh, no, what I'm talking about. It's like, bro, you can ask anybody to play football. That's what the fuck they're going to say. Take what I'm saying right now, play it for them, and then see if they say I'm wrong. <laughs> so he had three shoulder surgeries before he graduated. <laughs> no, he had three for real. He had he that's legitimate. Oh. He had three shoulder surgeries before he even left. Because Chris used to fucking so you know, Florida, Florida motherfuckers just like, yeah, Chris knew his strong suits and shit like that, but he also he also like, you know, he's from Florida, so you know. He went way harder than where he's supposed to go. You know what I'm saying? As far as his body type and shit like that. So like if a motherfucker fake a punt, oh, you can see a bunch of those. Chris used to come downhill hard. Like hard, man. They fake a punt. Woo! Because Chris knew they were going to kick it deep to him. They're not trying to kick him the ball. You know what I'm saying? So Chris further back than the normal punter, I mean a return specialist should be. So he coming at a 4-3's pace, nobody touching him, and he's going through your shit. So, yeah, he's probably going to dislocate some shoulders, shit. He's going to fuck something up. You get what I'm saying? Or him getting hit, running at a 4-3, and another motherfucker running. They ain't got to run a 4-3, but that motherfucker stone wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, what you think going to happen? Like, that's that's inertia, my guy. Like, something's going to break. <laughs> like, Something like, is going that's... to go snap, and it's, and it's going to hurt. Who's the weakest one in this situation? That's pretty much what this is going to be. Chris was speed and not as much strength as he should have. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that he should have been like Jamar Taylor size, rest in peace. No. They were thunder and lightning, which was perfect. But I still think, you know, man should have worked out something. That's just me. Friend to a friend. That's, that, that's that's real because you know you know I, I fucks with him. I fucks with him. Tough. Yep. But hey, I wasn't on that team. I wasn't on that ring. You know what I'm saying? So people could take it how they want to take it. But for sure, I was. I would say this to him. You know what I'm saying? To his face, in his face, and mean it with all love. Like nigga, you should have worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, we all live in life. He's doing well for himself and everything now too. He's got his family and everything. Like he's living a good life. Most definitely. Shout out to the to the Rainies. Yep. What? Bro, you know what? I, they've been comparing Josh Allen to Tom Brady and <laughs> Peyton Manning. Like, <laughs> why? Well, he's made, his decision making is like Tom Brady, but you know, he's reading the play and pre, you know, the, the pre-snap and everything like Peyton Manning. I'm like, God. I'm like, here we go. Mm-hmm. I was like, here we go already. Mm-hmm. And then right after they said that, he threw two picks. Yeah. It's like, you're like we're we're calling shit a little, a little too early. Just relax. It's not that big of a deal. I, I know you gotta, you know, say shit and 
tough to kind of keep people interested, but making ridiculous comparisons like that. Yeah, they could literally just be like, he, Josh Allen is progressing. Like we can continue, we can see his continuous continuous progression. You see right. what I'm saying? Like you can say things to give him compliments without sitting here trying to fucking make people think some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Why why is there always a need for a comparison? To to get the viewer to understand. You know yeah, what I'm but I think I think anybody who really watches football, like those are two completely different players. Yeah, but I don't think they're saying that for those people. I think they're saying it for the casual fans that don't really know what the fuck going on. And it's like, you know who Tom Brady is. You know who Peyton Manning is. You see both of them on TV all the time. You know what I'm saying? So you know who they are. You can Google what the fuck they did. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like my argument with my friends. The motherfucking casual fan ain't going to know how the fuck you got them cover, <laughs> cover four or an attack of cover four. So they're not going to know what the fuck's going on. Like, all they're going to see is Peyton Manning doing all of this. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. All they're going to see, and they're going to see Tom Brady throwing the right read. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all they're going to do. <laughs> this. And, and those are the ones you see on Twitter. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, they just repeat what repeat what they say. That's oh, yeah, he's legit. You know, he's like, can you? We don't need to be comparing, you know, Josh Allen to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. You know, like, like, come on, you went to the two top quarterbacks in history. Come on, bro. I'm with you. I'm with you. Just way too early to be calling that shit, man. So, uh, did you see uh the power rankings? For the NFL season, before the game, uh, I saw like five different people. I mean, the NFL official. No, I I don't think I saw. I mean, I might have, but I can tell you the top four or top five right now. I remember them. Okay, their top five. Like Who is their top? You're five? gonna like it actually. So, uh, Bills one, Rams two, Niners three, Bucks four, and Bengals five. Exactly. I said you're gonna like it. And that was, I mean, I like it, but you're confused, just like I was confused when I saw that shit. That's why I sent it to the group and I said I watched this shit on Pat McAfee, and the guy was on Pat McAfee explaining the whole situation, and I was like, this shit doesn't sound bipartisan. This shit sounds very motherfucking goddamn <laughs> partisan. You see what I'm saying? That shit sounds partisan like a motherfucker. He's like, yeah, I really like the Niners, and ooh, we got, and but Pat was like, it's so many, so many questions. So many questions with Trey Lance and so many questions with Jimmy G coming back. So many questions with all of this. And it's like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, how the fuck are the Niners? Like, I can I can agree that they're top 10. But fucking three? <laughs> that shit's third crazy. Best, third best team in the league? Like, That's crazy. And what are y'all saying that I didn't see? You don't have receivers and you don't have DBs. How in the fuck? I, I I wouldn't know what to tell you. Like honestly, the, the, I mean, if you're basing it all on potential, I mean, if you look at paper, the potential, yeah, is obviously there. Mm-hmm. But 
like, I don't know, call it a pessimistic outlook or whatever, and I'm just tired of getting heartbroken every fucking time, every goddamn year, to where I'm just not ready to believe that they're, you know, championship material. Even though, like, really, I, I do believe that they're contenders, like playoff contenders and stuff like that, but, like, they're definitely not bottom of the barrel of the league. But, I mean, Trey Lance needs to prove a lot to me. Just, I mean, again, my own fandom, the way I look at it, I don't think Trey Lance is ready yet. Now, can he go out on the field and just prove me absolutely wrong and run the fucking table and get us to another NFC Championship game possible Super Bowl berth? Then I'll shut the fuck up and be like, hey, I was wrong. They made the right decision. But until then, like, again, I haven't seen enough to be able to start making calls. Like, I'm seeing people there talking about, oh, you know, Trey Lance, you know, he could be the MVP of the league. I'm like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we looking at to where you would think? That he would be in contention of the MVP vote. Those practice videos, that shit is throwing people off. Those good balls that he's throwing in practice is throwing people off. Like, oh, my God, look at these passes Trey Lance throwing. But it's, it's like, the DBs suck, though. Like, DBs is ass. Like, what are we doing here, man? Like, they terrible, bro. Like, they was terrible. So I'm going to say this. The two points the guy made, the two points the guy made, the reason why he said that, he said because the Niners defense was like, like one of the top teams in the league without getting many turnovers. He, that's what he was saying. That was one of his points. And he was saying that he believes Kyle Shanahan could be able to figure out Trey in enough time and shit like that. And he believes in him. And that was then that was when he lost me. Because I'm like, the Niners defense interior is fucking good. See what I'm saying? I'm gonna give y'all credit. Y'all front eight is amazing. I heard that and said the shit in the back though. Like, the shit in the back, like, those guys running backwards and covering receivers, those are the people I do not trust. Not for you guys. Like, now, Bosa and them boys, Fred Warner and them boys, I I can believe that. You see what I'm saying? But when you go offensively, the way George played last year, you, you made that a big point. George was blocking a lot last year. You made it a point. So I'm like, George is great at the tight end position, but if he's not being used, then you can't really count him in there. You see what I'm saying? If he's blocking. So now well, you've only got Debo. The, but that's the thing. With him, though, it's like he's such a good fucking blocking tight end. He seals the edge for those outside zone runs to be effective. He I, And I've said it before. He may not be the best tight end, like Kelsey's the best tight end in the league, but when we're talking about specifically run blocking, George Kittle is no question better than every tight end in the league when it comes to run blocking. Just it took you two years. It took you two years. I've noticed I've known that. But no, what I'm saying is, things. oh, I can probably go back and look at episodes and of where well, I yeah. probably said that before. We we argued about this for so long, bro. <laughs> like, but uh, like, I'm but his ability, that. his ability to catch and run and everything like that is you know top three elite in the league too. I agree. So 
I mean, I don't even know if he's going to play this week. He had, I, that's something – I think he had a groin injury or something like that. I don't oh, know. man. At practice. I, I, I'll i have to go back and look at it, but they think he's going to play, but I'm like, God damn. That's tough. The groin is tough. Yeah, if it's a groin, that's like – Shut him uh, down. Yeah, you don't really want to risk that, especially – No, that's one. the only reason why I asked because – at nine is at three. I want to hear your opinion on the what? Oh. himself for a quick second. I just really want to. I want to hear your opinion about um about that number three spot. That's really why I brought that up. The power rankings. I mean. Where do you think they should go, though, if they're not three? If you don't believe they're three, you personally, because you're a fan, you see what I'm saying? Where do you think you guys are? I believe you're top ten. I'm not going to say no, top I, five, but you're top ten. I can, I can agree top ten. If we're talking top five, maybe, like, the five spot, like, on the fringe, the five spot. But, like, I'm probably thinking six or seven. Like, if we're talking the entire league, maybe six or seven. Because there are teams that are in this league that I just – I don't know if we can beat them yet. Like who? Like, you you want to tell me the Niners are better than the Chiefs right now? I believe so. Shit. I believe so. So here's the thing. They're number one receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. You don't believe in him. Uh, but they do have that rookie wide receiver, uh, Sky Moore. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not as fast as you know Tyreek is, but he's a good route runner, and he's he's going to be one of those underrated receivers that he's just going to explode, and nobody's going to see it coming. So this guy has more than three routes. Yes, I would oh, say so. Yeah, all right, cool. Sky, Sky Moore, yeah, I, I would say so. He's a much cleaner <laughs> route runner, I think. I'm glad you brought up Tyreek. To I'm a, I'm gonna ask this question, but we can go back to the you know the Chiefs and all that. But did you see that fucking route that Tyreek ran when I put that shit in the group? I think it was Instagram when it was like the guy was saying about how Tyreek was super fast. Oh yeah, it was go route. He just ran right by him. And what did I say? That is all he had. That's all he had. He didn't even go route. Go route. He didn't even try to run around. He just said, "All right, fuck it." <laughs> yeah, there was no like move, or there oh. was no even off the line. It's damn near like he just took a step inside and went. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he did his shoulders and he just stepped inside and fucking went. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, bro. This is what we call the best in the league. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Know. Yeah, but three. That's tough. That's really tough. I mean, I would really have to kind of look at it to really under try to understand because there's so much shit unproven. Yeah. You know, to already say, oh, the number three team in the league. It's like, hold on. We have a quarterback who hasn't even started a full season for us. He only started two games and then he got hurt. You know, it's just like we have not seen anywhere near enough to be able to start making those claims. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm trying to, you know, okay, yeah, we got Debo back. Okay, Ayuk is 
they're, they're, he's poised to have a breakout season. He was one of the best players in camp this this uh, off season. All right, let's see it translate to the field. Now, the first five weeks, they're just fucking dominating people. Then I'll be like, all right, you know, maybe these guys are legit. But until then, it's just, man, I mean, I would love to be optimistic. I really would. But every time that I've gotten optimistic about this team, something happens. And it just, so I'm like, you know what, let me try my luck in a different route this year. Let let me let me uh, try my luck in the art of uh, pessimism. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's a party over here. We got all these <laughs> got all these party favors, all these hors d'oeuvres right here on the table. You know what I'm saying? Uh, help yourself because you're a grown man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Welcome to the pessimist side of the country, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, shit. Alan, Chuck, and Dave, he's got Davis wide the fuck open. Down at the pod. Damn. Gabe Davis showing out this game. Yeah. Uh, his problem is injury. He was actually pretty good. He has he hasn't been anywhere near like touched enough and anything like that to even come close to injury. I mean, like, throw yeah. some bitch to Dawson Knox, man. Fuck the bullshit. Throw it to Dawson. So y'all just signed him to a big ass fucking deal. Give him the ball. <laughs> bro, one for five ain't shit. That's come on, bro. Dude, Josh Allen is going to get himself fucking killed in the first week of the season. Oh, no, nah, he's smiling. He likes that shit. Never mind. This dude's nah, something he, different. Week, week 11, week 11, week 11, he's going to do that same run shit. He's going to get fucked up. That's <laughs> when he play us. I think it's week 11. Yeah, he's going to run, do that run shit. He's going to get fucked up. Uh, ain't going. We ain't going for that this year. We ain't going for that this year. We got a, a few other hungry motherfuckers on our team. Nah, we ain't going. <laughs> we ain't going for that shit. We got motherfuckers. We got everybody on our team got 10 fangles this year. So oh, we ain't going. Here we go. We ain't going Ladies for that. Ladies and gentlemen, shit. it is on 7:30. You guys already know this episode brought to you by Raise Energy, uh, the best energy drink on the entire planet. RepSports.com, R-E-P-P-Sports.com, and use the promo code Alpha Raise. For 15% off of your order. The back-to-back Clash of the Cans champions coming out with the champion-style uh, drink uh, dropping in a couple of weeks. So be on the lookout for that. And once again, thank Raise Energy uh, for being with us since day one. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to do it the right way here. And we got to just put it down now and just say it. It's time! Ladies and gentlemen of the Jaffa Army, please welcome the co-founder of the UFC and a board member for the A7FL. 
Ladies and gentlemen of the Joppa Army, please welcome the one and only Dave Isaacs. What's up, David? How are we doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great, man. Just uh, excited to talk some UFC. How you got in the A7FL? Really been uh, kind of waiting for this conversation a little bit because I'm really one to love listening to stories about uh, times of, you know, especially when we're talking about UFC, the early days of that. I love listening to how everything got started. Um, but first and foremost, appreciate you for giving us some some time out of your, I'm sure, busy schedule to be able to, to talk with us a little bit. Um, we got to jump into it, the UFC, real quick before we start into the story. What happened at the press conference today? <laughs> I mean, you know, you get a bunch of guys together, uh, you know, you build a storyline around stuff, you got teams around them. There's always a lot of testosterone, a lot of emotion, and a lot of posturing. So it, it happens. That's just the way it is. You know, it happens. I didn't want, I mean, I'm, I'm not there and I didn't watch it, but, you know, I've seen lots of this uh, stuff go on. Some of it's a little uh, make believe, but a lot of it's quite real because the guys are ready to go. You know, it's just the way it is. You put them together, you, you know, the atmosphere is exciting. Uh, you're, you're trying to get them, you know, they, you know, you're trying to get guys juiced up, you know, when I say juiced, not in the bad way, but I mean, excited. Um, it's, it's, it's the nature of the beast, you know? And then from, from the very beginning, what, I mean, what was the idea? What, what, where did it all come from? Because obviously when the UFC first came out, it was something that, I mean, uh, that people thought, oh, this is barbaric. This is crazy. This, what kind of fighting is this? Like far from your, your typical boxing and everything else like that. So where did you guys come up with the idea to come up with the concept of the UFC? Uh, well, I mean, if you talk to six different people about the beginning of the UFC, you'll probably get six different versions. Um, that's the nature of success. Uh, but I would say my version is, uh, you know, our company was in the pay-per-view business and we were looking to expand out of the concerts that we were doing. And we did a lot of other, we were part of BMG, which was a big music distributor at the time. And, uh, we were looking for other stuff. Um, we tried lots of things, comedy, kids, uh, other sports, motor sports. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Gracies, you know, Art Davey came in pitching Horion Gracie and War of the Worlds. And uh, we took that concept and ran with it. You know, we were kind of the right pay-per-view company for that kind of uh, experimentation. We were trying to find new stuff. Uh, at the time, our big competitors were HBO and Showtime, and they were not trying to find new stuff. They were very happy with boxing. Um, wrestling was also big. And, you know, figuring out new stuff on pay-per-view uh, was difficult, um, hadn't been done consistently before. Um, and that was what we were trying to do. So um, it wasn't a chance. It was uh, the right time, the right folks getting together um, and coming up with, you know, lots of bits that are part of UFC today. It's funny, I was talking to somebody about it and uh, I don't know, we're working on some startup thing and I was saying, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, the Octagon, the name, we're all, that, that was all UFC, the first UFC. 
right? Like we can't, we've developed that thing that everybody, you know, talks about, has, uses, copies, uses a version of for you for the first UFC. And it's kind of amazing that it, you know, has withstood the test of time and, you know, been such a fixture. Uh, the name, uh, you know, we had a lot of internal debate. Uh, there's a guy there, Michael Abramson, who is our head of marketing and promotion. And Michael just kept saying, it's the ultimate. There's nothing beyond it. It's the ultimate. And uh, eventually we gave in to him. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of names thrown around. There were a lot of designs for the octagon uh, thrown around. Um, not Thrown around makes it sound like it was casual, but it was, uh, you know, we were in the business of producing television events. And so uh, designing the sets and creating the name and things like that were part of what we did normally. Uh, this time we just were doing it in the context of uh, this unidentified sport of MMA uh, that nobody really knew what it was. Uh, except for maybe Horan Gracie and the rest of, of the Gracie family and a few other folks around the world. But really, it was still a, an unknown commodity at the time. So um, it was exciting, you know, to be part of that. And But it was unknown. Like, there was no, uh, oh, you know, we're going to uh, do a minimum viable product and drip, you know, and go get ventured. That's not how the world was uh, back then for these kinds of things. It was uh, us giving it a shot. Uh, making mistakes, tons of mistakes, uh, but doing lots of stuff. So that's what I like, you know, personally about working on it was the chance to do lots of things um, and really impact, you know, the product and, uh, you know, the, the, whether people liked it or didn't like it, change the rules. I mean, we were flying by the seat of our pants. And at one point, I think we were doing buy rates in excess of WW, it was then called F, WWE. Sorry, that's my dog. She, she heard WWE, she started barking. Um, but, uh, you know, we had about, I think we had 12 people working there. You know, WWE had 300 people, a tower, you know, the tower. And, you know, that tells you, like, we were, like, if you were working there, you were doing so many different things that, you know, I love that stuff. It stuck with me to this day. Um, but when you're doing that much and you're figuring it out, uh, you know, not everything works the way you want it to. And some things work much better than we ever imagined. And I think we gave the we always thought, you know, uh, I hear this sometimes from people that it was like we tossed it up there and didn't think it would be a series. Uh, we actually designed it that way. Um, mm. You know, we did a lot of stuff to make it that we had a long term deal with the Gracie's. Um, we had done a thing called Thursday Night Concerts previously, which had regularly scheduled programming on pay-per-view. So that was really part of our thought process. We just didn't know if it would work. Mm. You know, that, that was the but thing. What, what came or who or what was the idea that, all right, because there's obviously different styles. There's different uh, you know, techniques that, you know, people use. Like, who, where did it really come up with ideas of? We need to have a, essentially an arena, the octagon, where we have all these different styles just colliding to see, you know, who the best is. Like, where did that idea come from? Uh, that is a particularly uh, uh, emotional one for a lot of people who say they were thinking about it, uh, you know, prior, you know. Um, I will say for me, um, we had a tape of Gracie and Act, Gracie's in Action. Um, it was uh, 
Orion's brother on a beach. It was like an, I don't know, VHS tape of like 10th generation or 20th generation, all wobbly and crackly. And, you know, Orion is, is narrating it and he's talking about the guy on the beach uh, has insulted the Gracie family. That's a horrible impersonation of, of Orion, but forgive me, Orion. And, um, you know, this brother's like, a, he pick, they picked the smallest brother. The guy's gigantic. I mean, that, this, I'm sure this fight's out there somewhere. He's like a bodybuilder and he picks like his little smallest brother. And his brother just beats the crap out of the guy. And, you know, it is, it was so compelling um, that we, the office filled with people watching it. And, um, you know, there were a number of us, you know, Campbell McLaren was our head of programming and Campbell always liked crazy shit. Um, can I say shit on this podcast? I'm Absolutely. Sorry. You can say whatever you want. All right. Campbell always liked that. <laughs> and, um, uh, Bob Myrowitz, who was the head of SEG at the time, um, you know, Bob was, uh, interested in figuring out new ways to program pay-per-view. Um, and he knew people who were in the Taekwondo side of things who were thinking about maybe, maybe this kind of thing, like was Taekwondo was like the most popular martial art, but like, could it actually work in a fight? Um, and so I think it just came together at that time where it was like, we were the programming folks and, uh, Orion was really our fight guy and art was kind of his, uh, Barker channel. <laughs> That's how I would describe <laughs> Art Davy. Um, you know, and I think that all just came at the right time. We were a small company looking for stuff and we turned that into a television production. I mean, that was what we, and that's why it turned into a one night tournament. Like originally they were doing, well, now people, you, you would understand it's Grand Prix style. They were doing fights mm -hmm. over money months. That would, I don't know how that would have worked. I don't think it was, it, it certainly wasn't as compelling as those tournaments. Those one night tournaments were uh, very difficult to do. The guys didn't end up like, you know, they, they preferred not to fight multiple times on the same night and they wanted to know who their opponents were. But I think we, at the time, what we were marketing ourselves as was, you know, uh, uh, the real, you know, reality and fighting. And we wanted to show guys, we didn't have a lot of shows. We didn't have a reality show on TV. We didn't have a two pay-per-views a month. So this was it. So, but once you saw a guy fight three times and come out of that, you know, you really saw them build their their fan base. And I remember I walked into, uh, we did a show in Buffalo. Um, and, uh, I mean, there were 10,000 people uh, in, in the arena. And uh, Tank Abbott came in with me. Uh, and Art was there with me, too, actually. Um, and Abbott had had this, you know, fought and his style and his charisma and he, but it's like, you know, these multiple levels of fighting in a single night, you saw just how tough those guys were to win. And he didn't actually win uh, the event, his first event. And Abbott walked in and the arena just popped. You know, you saw like those people were responding to him. And it was, it was actually quite unbelievable because uh, I was still worried, uh, you know, he was going to leave me in a, in a trunk of a car someplace. <laughs> and, uh, um, but the fans loved him and he was a charismatic guy. And he was a he was a great version of that kind of fighter. And so we spent a lot of time looking for different versions of fighters in those days. And, you know, it's a very different sport today in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it started off with folks who knew one one style of fighting. Maybe I would say Hoyce Gracie was different than that. I would also say Kenny Shamrock was a little bit different than that. But most guys came with one style. 
Um, and that's how we started. And we wanted them to have one style because we were trying to answer that question of uh, who would win judo versus kickboxing. Um, and it evolved over time, but initially that, you know, that question, you know, we realized like, you know, again, uh, we were a small company. We weren't doing mounds of research, but we did realize that, you know, a lot of people were involved in martial arts and they all kind of thought their martial art was the best martial art. Um, it's almost and like what you're it, seeing the movies. <laughs> yeah, it was like, but it was like that, you know, they're fighting in their own dojo and they're getting their own belts. It doesn't, didn't mean much because it did like, were you really trying to fight or not? And you don't have to be trying to fight. I mean, that's not everybody's goal, but I think we, uh, you know, we changed that. We changed that. So if you want to really learn to fight and you see real fights, you know, you need this mix of skills and you better be able to grapple. Um, you better be able to, um, to at some level and you better be able to finish fights and you can finish them with chokes. You can finish them with joint locks. You can finish them with strikes. But if you can't finish a fight, it's going to be a long night. Um, and so we, you know, we learned that over time and the fighters learned a lot over time as well. Um, you know, that this, that, that you could train for this type of combat differently than they trained before. Um, and I remember I had done a deal in Spain. I think it was in Spain. Um, and, uh, you know, I was at this conference and I was doing a, a deal for video distribution with somebody and, you know, he, he was running, I think, a, like one of their martial arts magazines. And he described it as the world pre-UFC and post-UFC. And I always liked that description of it because I do think there was kind of this sea change in the way people saw martial arts and saw fighting. And they wondered about this for a long time. I, and, you know, once you started asking, it was like, which is best? And then you'd start to think, and who is the best fighter in the world? And at that time, Mike Tyson, I mean, he's still he's back now, but at that time, Mike Tyson was like the biggest hit on pay-per-view, pun intended. And he was seen as the toughest guy on the planet. And then we saw the UFC and, you know, you started to wonder to yourself, what would happen if that guy fought in this type of, of, of event? You know, what would happen? Um, and I think, it, you know, that's what really piqued people's interest about this, which was, um, you know, the things they had thought previously, they weren't sure were true anymore. And you kind of had this new idea of who the best fighter in the planet was. Um, and that changed over time as well. Um, but I think, you know, for me, at least, that was always the draw. There were all kinds of storylines and all kinds of characters. But it was really who is the best and what's the best fighting system. And when Hoist Gracie was winning the events early on, uh, everyone was, you know, that that Gracie jiu-jitsu, you got to be in. That's the style. And then, you, and then you saw these American wrestlers go, not so fast. And... You know, it just, you know, it changed, you know, over time, we saw this kind of metamorphosis of folks coming in, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, what styles, what type of fighter could do it. And, you know, we were always surprised, not always, we were often surprised by the outcome. There were some folks I just thought when Mark Coleman was our heavyweight champion, I, I literally had never seen anyone like Mark. Um, and when Mark lost to Maurice Smith, it was such an upset for us. And then afterwards, you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, I guess I understand. You know, he punches hard because he's a big, strong guy. But that's a world champion kickboxer, and he's used to getting hit. And he knows how to take it. And, you know, Mark tired himself out. And so anyway, that was the cycle we kept seeing. Um, so it was always a, a process. I would say a learning process, but I think it was more like a holy shit surprise process that we got over and over again back in those early days. 
Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I'm like, hoist Gracie, that was one guy that when it came to, because I, I grew up, you know, watching boxing essentially my entire life. So getting into the MMA, my first real like introduction to it was Hoist Gracie. And looking at him going, I mean, I don't know who everybody else has down as their greatest of all time, but when I look at how long he was so dominant for up until the fight with Matt Hughes, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to make that argument. So, but for me, I really do wonder what was it like dealing with somebody like Boyce Gracie? Like, what was the, did he have some sort of aura about him that, because he seems like he was one of those guys that just comes in and the opposite. The opposite. Hoist was like an unassuming guy. And he was one of the, he was the younger, smaller brother. Uh, and I think uh, that's why Horion picked him. You know, I think he wanted to sh- pick a guy who was unassuming. Uh, at the time, Hoist was about my size, actually. And um, I, I mean, I certainly wasn't going to get in there and, and, and take on Dan Severn or any of the, you know, like I, I just was in, inconceivable to me. And I think for everyone, um, you know, it, it made you really, it, you know, I think it it changed your thought process about, you know, what was possible, who could win, what the styles were, and what a real fight is. I mean, honestly, I think, I was just talking about this with somebody, you know, talk about tradition. Tradition is very powerful. And so I grew up with boxing. Um, and at that time, everyone had seen boxing. And they'd seen wrestling. And they hadn't seen this. And so... I think once they saw it or saw them over time a little bit, you know, it, it really changed the concept of what is a real fight? Like, and then you sort of go, you know, boxing is incredibly difficult. When you meet a, bo- you know, the boxing guys that are so skilled, it is remarkably difficult to be that good a boxer. And it just, it's just very, very hard. But you realize it's a particular skill set. It is not the same as a real fight. And we used to do events all over the place, but a lot of them in the South at that point when we weren't sanctioned in a lot of States and, you know, they would have like a full bar, you know, for the whole event and, you know, fights would break out in the stands and the audience would shift its attention from what was going on in the octagon to the fight in the stands. And I think that's really because everybody's like searching for that real fight. Like, what is that fight like? And I used to talk about that with, you know, people. And I'd say, you know, it's, we try to keep it as real as possible. Like that was our, that was what we were really trying to do. And everyone was arguing about, uh, Horion was trying to do things to favor Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or other people. Everybody was, but, but the reality is anything you do favors some styles over other styles. How much we padded the octagon, uh, you know, the, 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 the mat made a big difference. A big difference. If you were a grappler, you cared a lot about how much we padded it. We padded it too much and you were a striker and you're trying to move. It was tough. So every decision we made kind of influenced how different styles would fight. Uh, the cage itself, you know, all of that stuff. And so you, you realize, like, these are constructs. You know, like, people would say to me, like, who do you think is the best fighter? And I'd say, where? Under what circumstance? I mean, if I was in a bar... Uh, for many years, I would have said Tank Abbott is my, is, I would pick him over anybody. Uh, when you're out of the bar, it's different. Um, there are a lot, like Dan Severn is a good example. 
Um, I bet you Dan was never in a bar fight in his life. Uh, that is my, I think that, I think Dan is the only guy like that I could name out of all the fighters I knew, maybe a couple of others, but really he's the only, he's such a nice guy. And I, and I say like, but in the octagon, you know, in competition, that changed for him. And that was a good, that was a good uh, venue for him. And so I think, you know, we, we tried to keep it as real as possible. And I think that's what people craved. You know, that period was like a big change in culture. People were changing types of music they were listening to. They were, they were craving hyper reality. That was the right. stuff that was, you know, and we, 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 I don't know if it was totally intentional, but it was certainly um, fortuitous that we did the UFC at that time because that was what people were looking for. They weren't looking for uh, disco dance in spacesuits. You know, they were looking for what's the real deal. And I think that was always the allure then. I think it's the allure now. I think that's why those backstage fights. I was looking at the online today and I was like, I would like to see some footage backstage and see what that looked like. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, and I've been involved in them. They're not that they're not they're not that fun to be in around. But I'm telling you, everybody's thinking, I would like to see that. You know, I would like yeah, to see no, it. because because it really is one of those out of a non-sanctioned fight. You know, like how how would things really look? How would again? It's a real fight, and fight. that's always what you're trying. Right? It's a you know, it's a you think to yourself that's a real fight, and what did that? What happens in a real fight? Um, and I think that's always the fun of, of, of mixed martial arts and particularly UFC is getting as close to that as possible. And now the guys are so trained in mixed martial arts. I think you're just looking at it. You know, this is now a high. It, they were, there were a lot of high level athletes early. People just didn't necessarily realize that or uh, media didn't accept it. I think now when you see it and you like so many people understand it. They understand what skill is going into the things that people are doing that, you know, it really raises it to this thing of, you know, like when people used to call boxing the sweet science, they still do. I say it is hard. I, I mean, I, the respect I have for like being a, a great boxer is, is tremendous. It is so hard. I think early on people didn't quite see that about mixed martial arts. You had to be good at something and strong and then you could fight. I think now when you see the top mixed martial arts and for the last few years, you realize you're looking at an extraordinary athlete who is very finely tuned, you know, like in lots of different things. And I think that's a, that's a uh, outstanding aspect of it now. And it is part of like where it's just the evolution of the sport. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of things going on in the world of mixed martial arts and fighting these days um, that people never expected uh, would happen. And, you know, I think back in the day we had a period of crazy fast change uh, we had a lot of legal problems. People were trying to put us out of business. We were trying to bring in different kinds of, do it in different states. You know, it was very rocky. And I think they had this period of like kind of uh, UFC dominating and Dana doing such a great job running it. And now I think the world is shaken up again. And I think, you know, that's the nature of this kind of sport. There's just so many things going on. And uh, I think I think it's uh, it's just the nature of it. And people like that. You know, they aren't going to sit and do the same thing. You know, we, we did this on pay-per-view. It was, uh, God, 29, is it 29 years ago? Yeah, 29 years ago, 1993. So that's a long time. You know, that's a long time ago. And it's a lot long in the context of sports and how long it takes to develop sports, but it, it's long in the context of um, how people's viewing habits have changed over that period and what kind of content they like and what kind of stars they see as legitimate. And 
how they watch that kind of content. So lots of changes. In there. What kind of, August. what kind of, uh, things went into, cause like you said, there was an evolution of the sport, you know, it went from being almost, there's no weight classes. It's just different nope. styles and stuff like that. To now we have weight classes. Now, like what sort of things kind of put things into place for it to kind of turn out the way it did? Well, originally, um, if you think about a real fight, I mean, you don't really get to choose the weight class of the guy you're going to fight. Um, and you may not know that that fight's coming. Um, so we were, we were in that mindset um, of, and, you know, the Gracies, uh, Horianus, you know, they, did, they weren't concerned about size at all. Um, and so we were really, and we didn't have, you know, and we were, I don't want to say anti-boxing, but I certainly think we were thinking about boxing and the things that we didn't like. So boxing judges were definitely on our mind as something that, um, you know, were notoriously um, um, difficult to understand sometimes how, you know, how that judging worked. It was, it was very opaque. And we, we just were like, how do we do it without any of that? So no weight classes, uh, no time limits, no judges. And that was our, that was the idea. So that's the concept of like, why did we do it? Because we thought those were things that were constructs and we were trying to figure out how to deconstruct it and turn this into a real fight. Over time, uh, we saw why you needed those things, right? I mean, that was, that's really, that's really what happened. And so we, you know, we, when we started out, I think we benefited sometimes from that. You know, we did the David versus Goliath tournament. Don Fry won that in Puerto Rico. So the Davids had to be under 200 pounds and the Goliaths had to be over 300 pounds. You know, you say that now and people think that is barbaric. <laughs> we thought, I think Campbell came up with that idea. Probably. It sounds like him. We thought it was just awesome. Like, you know, like that's awesome. And it was awesome. Um, and it was a surprise win. Um, you know, for people who didn't, didn't know Don Fry yet. And so I think that for us was kind of part of the fun was just thinking of these things and then seeing if we could do them. And I think over time, we learned so much about, like we learned, um, you know, we had to have time limits, right? We had a fight, you know, we had fights go over. Um, the, the, the limits that we had on cable uh, was brutal. It's terrible. It's terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. And we had, uh, uh, you know, we started to get into things with commissions and what did they expect to see and what did we want to keep in and keep What would we fight for? I remember fighting for headbutts. It was funny. I'm not a headbutting guy. Let me just say that. Um, <laughs> but I knew that some of our guys, that was the main weapon that they used. Mark Coleman in particular at that time. And so, and again, in a real fight, I mean, that's a real, that's a real thing. And so... Now you look back and you go, I mean, there haven't, they haven't been headbutt, headbutts since we developed the, the, the unified rules quite a lot, but even before that, actually. And it seems kind of crazy that they were headbutts. But, you know, that was a part of just in a real fight. That was what you were going to do. Um, you know, we had rules from the beginning, people, but we promoted that we had very few rules. You know, we, but we always had some rules. Um, and we just, over time, I think we just, needed to get more in line with where the commissions were 
and where so people started to see this as more uh, less barbaric, although I don't uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we were barbaric, although we sometimes promoted ourselves that way, um, but more in line with what they expected and what they had seen before, um, you know, adding adding gloves, um, even though they're lighter gloves, adding gloves, you know, all that stuff is what people are used to. And so they think that's that's sport and um, commissions wanted it. And sometimes it was safer and sometimes it was just because that's what people wanted to see. Sometimes, uh, like when we added judges, it was because we, you know, the fights were ending and we didn't have a winner. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a shitty way to go. Uh, we realized that just like, so if you have no time limits and no judges, you fight to the end, you can do that. You can do that on the street. You can do that in a gym, but you can't do that on television. Yeah. You know, certainly you couldn't then. And you know, at a point that became reality for us, you know, we were trying to figure out, you know, and we were learning on the fly um, and changing the rules from one event to the next. So all that stuff, you know, was like thought of, you know, a lot of people, John McCarthy, uh, Jeff Blatnick, uh, Joe Silva, you know, we were, we were, we were thinking about those rules and Corian. And once we had too many rules um, and once we changed the weight and we changed stuff too much, you know, that's when Hoist dropped out. Right. It wasn't that long into it. It was after three events. I mean, you know, and, I, and, you know, lots of reasons every, you know, Horion would say, you know, that's not the way we want to do it. That's not, that's not, doesn't work for our style. If we can't, if there are time limits, mm. um, you know, other people would say the wrestlers were catching up to them. They knew it. And that was a good time to exit. Um, I would never say that that, I, I don't think Horion was ever concerned about other fighters. I, you know, I've known Horion for 30 years. Um, I don't think he's concerned about other fighters, but I do think in his mind, he's, he's a purist for what he thinks is the Gracie system and what he's trying to show. And if he doesn't show his system, the advantages that they have, you know, if you can't cook the opponent, as they call it, um, it's not going to work as well. And that he, I think he knew that very well. Hmm. So then it just, what was it like kind of trying to, deal with it. I mean, obviously when you're changing rules, you're not everybody is going to, you know, agree with what gets done, but certain things have to get done. What was it like in those rooms trying to figure out what the future was for the UFC? Um, well, it was, you know, we thought every decision we were making was like the, the most important decision. Uh, and, we were always worried about watering down what people liked about the sport. So um, that's what headbutts is a good example. Um, like, you know, I understand that, like commissions didn't want it. I know it's rough. I mean, I get it uh, in a real fight. That's what, that's a tactic people would use and some more effectively than others. But at a point like with the commissions, as we were working with them, um, various folks uh, in New Jersey, um, in Mississippi, um, and finally even in, in Las Vegas, in Nevada, you know, we had to take them out. Like, it was like, you'll never get sanctioned if you have headbutts. So at a point, we didn't have any choice because if we weren't sanctioned, you know, if we couldn't figure out a path to sanctioning, uh, we were going to go out of business. So yeah. it just, it, it forces you to do things, but I mean, it the it's just, the concept of the real fight, it, it, it is more, I mean, now when you look at it, 
it does kind of have almost a boxing feel to it as, you know, everyone has a technique. Everyone's pretty much studying everything because you have to be able to kind of defend everything. You know, yeah, you have your own specialties in striking and stuff, but you have to be able to defend jujitsu, judo, wrestling, you know, take that. You have to be able to do all that stuff in order to be successful in the UFC. So when you they you finally get to weight classes and from there the so it, basically the, all the rule changes basically come from the sanction the having to wear the gloves having to you know the i mean the time limits rounds all that was basically everything was to get sanctioned no 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 oh. no it was it was a mixture i mean we were we were dealing with lots of stuff simultaneously. So um, we would learn things about the fights. Uh, I don't remember which fight it was that somebody started holding the cage for the first time and trapped their opponent in there. I, I feel like it was Dan Seven, but I, I don't think, maybe not, maybe not. We didn't have a rule against it. Um, and a big wrestler holding you down, holding on to that, that bar, uh, you know, that, uh, the fence, You, you can't get up. I mean, that's not the point of our fights, you know? So I get it. Like, in a real fight and you were against a fence and somebody, you know, that might be other. But we we saw it and we changed the rule because we didn't want that. And I don't think anybody wanted it. Um, other things were, you know, uh, on those same lines. We saw something and we decided it needed to go one direction or another. Some were based on what the commissions wanted. Some were based on TV. You know, um, the timing thing was really about TV. Like, how do we how do we get the fights in? So if you bought your pay-per-view, you see all the fights. Um, and so we, you know, like I said, gradually we had to adopt some of these things. And then once you have a time limit, then you need judges, right? So it starts to have that, like, now, okay, you now you see why, you know, um, some of the rules in boxing like that make sense. And then you remember back in the old days, they'd have those, I don't know, 800 round fights or something like that. And they just keep going. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I like, know. Do, like, do you really want that fight? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think now we've, it's been honed to really get the best performance out of the guys and girls. And, but like, and yeah, you gotta be, you know, fight for 25 minutes and a champ. I mean, 25 minutes of fighting is exhausting. I mean, that is an incredible amount of effort. So you sort of get to the point where you think like that's the right amount. So you got to have the cardio to do the fight. You can't just go out there and gas. But you know, you get the top the best performance from the fighters. And I think that's just over time you start to see how much they can really do. You know, the rounds are a little longer. Um again, that was part of the idea of, you know, some of the things with grappling or um if you're using any kind of a, a choke or a joint manipulation. Um, anything on the ground, you know, it takes a little while for those things to get set up. Um, so, you know, we thought it made sense to have those rounds be longer. And, you know, we would think about, you know, again, this isn't like, uh, you know, you got to work on Monday and, you know, scratched out the rule that was there and wrote some <laughs> other rule. Um, there were a lot of people involved in that, in those conversations. So um, I think the the myth of some of the decision-making was, you know, we just got there and crap that stuff out it wasn't like that it was actually like a lot of debating over whether this change or that change made sense some were some were obvious and some were 
um, forced upon us and some were things that over time we just decided to adopt and then figure out how to do it for the style of fighting that we, you know, we, the UFC had at the time. So then I, I have to ask it, I guess, I don't know if you're, you don't want to sound biased or anything like that, but throughout the time, who was the, your favorite fighter to watch? Whether, I mean, didn't have to be like the greatest, greatest of all time, but who was one fighter that you can look at and go, I can just watch this guy all day. Oh, if I let's see the names I would use, I don't, I don't. So you know, I always I, I always like Tank. Um, I thought Tank was like a charismatic guy, like the worst, scariest biker you've ever imagined. Um, and uh, I wish he'd at the time, you know, he was so strong um, that he thought that strength. And he was, and he was skilled. He actually, you know, people don't realize that, but he'd wrestled, he'd boxed for a long time. But you know, um, I, I I loved Abbott fighting. I didn't like the later fights, but I, I loved him like when he was really, you know, threatening to folks uh, in there. And I love the heavyweights. Um, I, you know, I that was I always thought, you know, so that was one for sure. Um, on the skill level side, you know, Mark Coleman for me early was. I mean, I, I'd never seen a man more powerful than Mark at about 265. I mean, he was uh, never seen that kind of power. Uh, Randleman, another guy who um, um, we didn't have him in the UFC in the early times, but when I saw him later fighting and when he came back to the UFC, uh, just physically his his skill level was so high. Like he was just from another planet. Um, Hoist was just another he was a guy, um, you know, you, you had to respect the skill level and, you know, again, like kind of a physically unassuming guy willing to go in against these, you know, I will call them monsters in that regard, like beasts, really big, strong guys, um, uh, who you don't want to tangle with. Uh, Ken Shamrock was always really interesting. Um, he met, you know, some of his fights didn't go the way we had hoped they would go. Um, and I knew from his training partners and the things he had done at the Lions Den, um, what skill level he brought and sort of how strong he was and how tech, um, that didn't always show up in the octagon, but I think it was always like we were ready to, to see it. Um, Frank Shamrock at the time was another guy, by the time he really came out, he was, he was kind of the next generation of fighter where he was really training in multiple disciplines and his his cardio, uh, I never had seen anybody with cardio like that. Um, and, you know, his, he was just a very skilled guy. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, that's the long list, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> at that point in time, that that's kind of, I liked all the, you know, and I liked the mix. You know, we were into the show and trying to get different styles fighting against each other um, and see which one would win. You know, when we brought a ninja in uh, and all kinds of different things, you know, people hadn't seen that before. People hadn't seen a sumo wrestler fight a normal size guy and they had no idea what that we didn't know um so i like that element of it as much as anything just kind of the discovering like you know we not, we really didn't know what what that you know for a lot of that what was going to happen and we all learned kind of together uh what that meant and you know that was really the fun of the early stuff it's different now you know again it's it's not as much of a a mystery. Um, there aren't some guys that are fighting in Japan and you haven't seen them before. And then we bring them in and they're all of a sudden they're top level guys. You know, it really is much more. And they're all cross training and they've been cross training. You know, the guys who are fighting now were born 
for the most part, or certainly started training, you know, after we, we started the UFC. So they saw what real fights were like and they adapted their styles. And so I think now it's much more about that. You know, what is the, what happens when a cross-trained fighter like this fight, tra- you know, goes up against a cross-trained fighter like that, which is also awesome. I mean, the skill level is unbelievable, but it's different than like, what the hell is a ninja? And what is that going to, you know, and what is their secret moves going to do in the octagon, you know? And the answer was not so much. Uh, no, that became very obvious. I remember some yeah. of the early stuff going like, I mean, I, I sure, but wow. I mean, yeah, there's def- definitely some experimenting that went on. But I mean, again, in the long yeah. run, everything, you know, is what it is now. It grew and it became this, you know, giant entity in the fight game now that kind of gave viewers another outlook than just boxing because I, I I really do believe for a long period of time, even sometimes now there's still hints of it. Boxing had a very very sketchy past about them with certain things. So to be able to have another outlet to go to was kind of kind of cool to see. And speaking of going from one outlet to another you go from being a co-founder to the UFC. Now you are partnered up with the A7FL. Yep. How did that decision, you know, where, where did that decision of, I, I want to be able to partner up with these guys somehow, some way, where did you get introduced to them? How did that kind of come into play? Well, first of all, because of my UFC past, I get introduced to all kinds of crazy event thing so you know i've done like uh walking dead live events and i've done giant robot fights in japan so it's not so weird that i got introduced to the a7fl um and truthfully i i thought it had a lot of uh relevance you know the ufc had a lot of relevance to what the a7fl was doing which meant like taking away the safety equipment in the ufc i used to do a lot of interviews for how i thought the ufc was safer than boxing and had a bunch of reasons for that. Um, you know, and I would say, um, and I certainly would say now, that doesn't mean it's safe. Uh, I think it's safer. Um, and I think when you talk about football, um, you know, NFL style, NCAA style football, helmets and pads, um, like I played uh, many, 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 many years ago in high school. Um, you know, when you wear helmets and, pa- and shoulder pads, um, you are really willing to use your head as a weapon. And so um, when I saw what the A7FL was doing, I saw this as a, you know, a really important twist on what football could be. Because when I was a kid, that's actually how we played. We played no helmets, no pads, football, and somebody's backyard. We didn't kick because nobody could kick. And we, and, and you know, it's not like I'm saying it's 100% safe because it's a full contact sport, but it's a lot safer because there's a head to head contact is minimized. If you play without a helmet, you do not lead with your head. And we changed the rules to, to emphasize that. But the other thing is, you know, we changed the nature of the relationship with the fans to the athletes because you see these guys. Like you see them up close and you see what they're like. And I think that is a big advantage in this world of social media is that, you know, you really see these players and you realize. You know, they're so like once when we started the UFC, I think nobody knew that there was this whole world of fighters out there that were learning different skills, but weren't boxing. They were not, you know, maybe some more boxers, but they weren't in the upper echelon of boxers and they were just out there. 
I think we have shown people that just like Rucker did for basketball, there is a whole world of guys who are not, didn't make it to the NFL, didn't make it on that path, but have great skills. And when you give them the right kind of game, you know, it showcases those skills and it's, it's a really exciting form of football. And I think it's, uh, you know, we've, we've proven it over and over again with the, the numbers we put up when we're, uh, on television and on, on VOD and on fast channels and on uh, cable channels um, and online. But it really is a, an exciting, exciting sport. And I think it has this UFC thing of like, because you take away the safety equipment, it looks rougher than what you're used to. And then when you watch it, you appreciate it for what it is. And so that's what I love about American Sevens football. There are so many players out there that still want to play, that they, they just didn't get their chance. And then you see them and you go, holy crap, why isn't that guy you know, playing Division One college football? Why isn't that guy playing the NFL? And there are lots of reasons for that. You know, there are a lot of guys that fall through the cracks. There are a lot of guys that have to go out and work to support their family very early. There's a lot of guys that just that whole system was not for them. And we find them and they find us. And that is what the league is really about is a place for those players to really showcase their skills. And I think that's why it was attractive to me. I just was looking at it and I said, you know, they've really boiled the, the essence of this league down to really exciting parts of it. It's fast, but not too fast. It's not arena. You know, you don't get 130 to 116 as the score. Um, it rains. It's outdoors. It's raining. It's, well, it rains a lot, by the way, in some of our games. You know, so you got to have a running game. You got big guys. You got fast guys. You know, it has all the things, I think, that people love about football. But for, at first glance, it's, it's different. For a lot of people, they're like, what the heck is this? And then when they watch it, they go, oh, uh, I, you know, they start, it's not hard to understand the, how sevens work compared to 11 man football. And uh, anyway, so that's what I liked about it. I was really, I thought it was super compelling, you know, back to that thing of uh, watching the Gracie in action video and the, I saw the first video, uh, you know, I, and I was like, holy crap. And I showed this to, um, people I knew in the sports business and they were like, I was showing some like a highlight video of them and they were like, well, the guys aren't that big, are they? And you know, I'm showing them some 300 pounders, like doing backflips and running the ball. And they're like, but they're not that fast. And I show them guys, you know, flying down the field. I mean, you know, really, they, you can see the skill level. Um, well, the quarterback probably can't throw the ball as far as, you know, we show a guy throwing the ball 80 yards in the air, 80 yards. You didn't him. show him Corey Hammond. <laughs> not necessarily yeah. no you're talking about 80 yard bombs that was definitely no you know and, and again when you start to talk about street ball no yeah Corey's. by the way Corey's got you know Corey's an old you know stand-up quarterback Corey's a good man and he's sort of that classic style quarterback in the pocket uh but you know we've got all kinds you know and i think that's part of the fun too you know you put a team together here with a mixture of the talent that you can find that'll play on the team and so, you know, if you've got a quarterback like Corey, you know, you're looking to find, you know, speed players on the, on, the, on the outside edges that can catch the ball from him. You're looking to protect him. And if you've got a running quarterback, you may be doing something very different. So I think our game has a lot of flexibility based on the talent and the skills of the players that you have. And, you know, Corey is a, Corey is a great guy. And, you know, he's a really knowledgeable football guy. And I think when people listen to the broadcasts and, and hear him and hear Big Rob, and Matt Ryan crazy with his voice and everything. But you hear this guy knows football. 
inside and out. This isn't like casual, uh, some guy that shows up for touch football. This is a guy that really understands how football works. And I let, you know, I remember I was at a fight in Japan and I think I, I was sitting with, I was either sitting with Ken Shamrock or I was right near Ken and he was just talking the whole fight. And, you know, I was, I was kind of amazed at just how much he, you know, the knowledge that was coming out of his mouth while he was talking. You know, in Japan, the arena is silent, so you can hear yeah. every word he's saying. And, you know, Corey has the same thing for me. You know, you if you think Corey is just some guy who was like a pretty good quarterback in, in high school and shows, like, listen to him talk about football, and you'll see, like, that's a guy who really has been, you know, knows a lot about the game. He understands different players, and he's not been in this big system, you know, like a lot of the, you know, uh, he's as, you know, he's not getting massaged after the game and <laughs> dipped in – you know, he's, he's, he's roughing it. And, uh, I, you know, I love that part of our league. It, it's a skill. He's got a set of skills. There are other guys that have other sets of skills, you know, and um, it comes together and like each team figures out like how to make that work, right. How to make it work. Yeah. We, I mean, we definitely looked at it and I had the same reaction. I'm sure, you know, many people, like you said, like, Holy shit, what the full contact, no pad, mm-hmm. like, how are these guys? And then you watch the game, and we just got into it, kept watching yeah. it over. And Kay was, you know, becoming a big fan of it. So we just kept watching it and watching it. And we're just like, this is actually some legit football that we had talked about on a little while on the show. Was ways to get football into the Olympics. Yeah. At first, we were thinking maybe flag football because 11 on 11, full, it's expensive. You know, it's a lot, and not a lot of other countries are playing football this style. You know, you got the Canadian, you know, football league, you got European football when they had that. Uh, the the NFL sponsored the European league. They still um, got You that. have that. But this, oh, well, I mean, that was talked about as it was before. But we're, we're looking at, when you look at the A7 NFL, it brings the concept of the sevens. And we think, or at least I think about rugby being a, you know, universally loved sport, full contact, everything else like that needs the toughness, needs the, the skill and everything in order to be good at it. I see that with the A7 NFL. It's a sevens concept that everybody internationally can get, get behind. And, it's American style football with, with no pads. And it's just something that I think when you're talking about Olympics, bringing it in, you know, football, because you have every other sport except football being the most popular sport in America. You don't see it really outside, outside international. I figured you guys really have something going with the a seven NFL when it comes to bringing the game to the Olympic level. Uh, I don't know if that was been a thought process for you guys of getting that far, but I mean, I'm talking about seeing the future, but I can definitely see this being a thing at the Olympic level. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we are ambitious, right? We think this sport can be international. We think kids can play this. Kids are going to be much more likely to play this than they are, you know, and you know, the drop off and, you know, tackle football is really severe um, for a lot of kids. And um, we have this uh, advisor who works with us who is a great friend of mine named Dr. Jen Welter, who was the first female coach in the NFL. And Dr. Jen, as we call her, 
um, has done a lot of stuff outside the country with rugby, Australian rule, all this kind of stuff. And she, she talked a lot, talks a lot about tackle culture and how in the rest of the world, it's strange that our toughest sport, the guys have these big pads, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they don't have that. And so you look at that and you say like, they're used to it. And that's what they think is tough. They don't think it's crazy. They think that's tough. And so I think we do have stuff that's going to lend itself more towards international expansion, which look, I, you know, if you're America, I love, I love the NFL and uh, I love watching football. Um, that doesn't mean that, that it's not without its issues. And I think it doesn't travel as well as you would think that the biggest sport in America would. And part of it is, um, you know, it just is a very American seeming sport. I, I, try, I worked internationally when I was younger and um, I used to, I lived in New York later. Um, that's when I was working at SEG and we started UFC. But I had all these friends from different countries who would come visit me and we would go to you know, American sporting events. And so, um, you know, we would go to basketball and they were all just like, this is awesome. I, I love it. I, how, you know, it's just awesome. It is. And we would go to baseball and if you weren't Japanese, um, baseball was not interesting at all they didn't understand it they didn't you know they were bored by it sometimes i you know compare that to cricket maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's just because the bat and stuff but you know for us like cricket seems really boring but i I like baseball and um um and you know baseball may need some change who knows we'll see but um but then we go football and i think they would appreciate football as like this big american it's like going to a july 4th parade or something like you get it but that doesn't necessarily mean you're thinking to yourself, I want to go to every game and follow this sport. You know, I don't, I don't think that's what it was. And I think when you imagine American football, it's just like America is coming in. And I think that's how folks see it. Whereas with basketball, they just see basketball and they know they're great American basketball players and they love that. Again, they don't have helmets and pads. So you see them and you see their expressions in there. You see their physicality up close. And then you see that, teams from other countries can surprise you. Uh, they, they can have this talent level in this sport. Um, and I think, so I think we do have an opportunity for that. I think we, you know, we got a long way to go here. Um, we're expanding, you know, we just added two more divisions. So we added um, Columbus, Ohio. So we have two Columbus divisions. Uh, we're adding Reno. So we're going to have two divisions in Nevada, um, maybe another division to go before the season starts. So we have 32 teams playing next season. Uh, you know, it's a spring league, so it starts in like end of March, March, early April, and goes till July. So we're 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 doing a lot of stuff here, and you know, kind of t- teaching people about what this sport is, and teaching players who still have that itch. That you probably heard those guys say that the itch to yeah. play. Um, find, come find us, and come come sign up, and come do it because it's it's right there for you. And I think there. are, you know, it amazes me. Um, so last year's championship game, BIC Patterson, you, I don't know if you saw that game, but you know, oh, each, yeah, of the, yeah, each of the, so each of those squads, you know, has two NFL guys on the, on the team, both teams, two guys, never saw the field, never saw the field. Now that doesn't mean the top NFL guys, not knocking. I'm just saying actual, like still legit NFL level talent guys, because those teams, you see the level that they are at and like the depth that they, I mean, they are high level teams. And, you know, my dream is to get all the teams into that level and find, you know, we got to, and, and there are a lot of players out there that we got to bring into the league. 
And I think we'll start to find places. We already have had contact internationally and it'll start to grow because I, you know, I, I'm waiting for military to start playing it. You know, military bases, I think, are gonna gonna start doing this on their own. I wait, you know, internationally, I mean, there's so many reasons why they're, you know, it's a lot easier uh, to play this game. Part of it is they're well aware of, you know, CTE and, the, and what's going on with the NFL. And I think it's hard for them to imagine that that's a good idea to get into that sport. Plus it's so right. expensive, plus it takes so many people, plus the field, you know, so there's so many reasons that it's really challenging. So I think we've got that opportunity, but you know, we've got a long way ahead of us and we are gonna, you know, like I said about the UFC, it's it's daunting, but it's fun to be thinking about changes at this, you know, when you can really alter the course of something like this. You know, I have friends at many different leagues. You know, if you change a baseball rule by just a tiny bit, you know, everybody screams. If you change the NFL, if the NFL changes its rules, everybody screams. You know, we change the we, if we we can change a lot of things to make it work because the guys really, really want to play and the fans we have really want to see them. And so, you know, we, we, we have a lot of flexibility, we change the schedule. We do, we do a lot of things just to make it happen. And, you know, that's really the part of uh, early stage sports that I enjoy. And of course I love it when suddenly it explodes and everybody's talking about it. And, you know, the giant, the truck filled with money pulls up to my door. I love that part as well, <laughs> but I, I really do like, you know, figuring this stuff out on the fly. And that was what early UFC was. We were figuring it out on the fly. We made mistakes. Um, but, you know, especially, you know, I learned from Bob Myrowitz, especially, which was, you know, it's better to better to make a mistake than make no decision at all. So onward, push forward, you know, do what you can, try your best. Don't do, you know, don't, and, you know, try not to make the same mistake twice. Um, that's been a, a personal thing for me. But like, you're going to make mistakes when you're, trying stuff that's just brand new and you know you look around and you see this one got really successful that one went out of business and you try to navigate that you just got to keep banging away at it and you know that that's what i love about it you know it's fun to hear you guys talk about you know Corey or whatever part of the game you know <laughs> um because it's like that you know for example we were on stadium this year um stadium which is part of sinclair and uh, the head of programming there is another fan and, you know, I've done a lot of deals with people who buy your program and stuff. And, you know, they they may like it. They may like it. But, I mean, it was so fun to have somebody who was already a fan of the league and do business with them. It was like a, it's awesome because once you get it, I think um, it's 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 compelling. And it, it is hard to take your eyes off of it. And you never know <laughs> what yeah. is going to happen. And I think that's something from early UFC with this stuff. You never really know what's going to happen. You don't know which players are going to show up on a given weekend. You know, you don't know what, what, uh, who's, who's been, what, you know, they're not training all week and they're not just, rep, you know, we don't know what is going to happen out there on the field. And I think that's a, an exciting part of sport, you know, and I was going to say one last thing I like about it. So, you know, I, before there was Manning cast, we were doing, I think a much different broadcast. And I think we will continue to um, do, for football, like it just, I think it's should be fun. You know, it should be a fun thing. You should listen to it. And uh, we try to make it fun. We've had different guys in there. LJ Smith has been, was in there for us for years and LJ is awesome. And I think he's so funny. Um, and we've got this team now. I think they do a great job and they come from different vantage points and, you know, talking about the different elements of it. And, you know, if you don't get excited listening to Matt Ryan call football, <laughs> um, it's like having a, 
watching a Mexican soccer game or something like that. You know, I think he really adds to it, but that's different. You know, again, that's, that's what you get to do in a league like this. You get to really be different. And I think we're trying to show people like, this is fun. This is real. This is not, this is not playtime football. This is not, yeah. but it's fun. And you should have fun. The guys should have fun. Like it, it should be entertaining. And I think that's, you know, I think that comes through with the, with the broadcast team. And I, and I really enjoy that part of what we do. Yeah, the, the, watching everything go down and stuff like we we uh, have been talking with with Matt and we've had Corey on you know multiple times. Corey's on, know, a, they're both great guests, right? Come from very different yeah. perspectives, but they're interesting, right? Corey just being a, he like you said, he's just kind of he, he is a goofball and everything else like that. He jokes around, he likes to have a good time, but then when you actually listen to him talk ball, the guy's got a mind on him. Oh, you know, say so, you know, very underrated mind, I should say, with some people. You know, but I, uh, I, I don't think. I mean, honestly, I I think that's a good example, though, of the type of you know, Corey's also like got. I mean, uh, this isn't the stroke Corey Hammond's uh, hour, but I think he's oh, got a. Pr- he's got enough of an ego. Uh, he, you know, <laughs> he, but he's a great guy, and he's and he, you can see like how he le- he's a leader. You know, he is. He's like that classic style leader quarterback. Um, that like knows the game and, you know, guys will follow him. And I think he projects that. And, you know, I think his analysis is, you know, if you like watching Tony Romo do the NFL stuff um, and you think he's, you know, you watch Corey do ours, it's, it's pretty similar. Not, it's not meant to be the same. It's just, mm. he knows the game. He knows the players. Um, and I think, you know, you mix that up a little bit and it, it just, it's, it's like this interest, like, like I said earlier, it's like we were just, it's like a whole interesting thing. We just put it all out there and then see what comes out the other side. And I think, you know, we've been doing a lot of good work and we've been showing people what we can do. And, you know, Sports Center has been sharing us regularly. And I think they, you know, put us on air the other day. And I think it's because, you know, if you like football and you see our stuff, you will like it. And we're doing deals around. And it's not just about the deals, but it's about more and more people see us and then they understand, like, I knew there was this no helmets league. I saw a highlight once, but now they're connecting with the A7FL, or now they're connecting that with uh, Ashante Worthy or Sterry Codrington or or even Corey Hammond. No, I didn't say that, Corey. If Corey <laughs> listens to this, I only say good things about Corey. No, he's a great guy, and I and yeah. I think and you know I think that's but different different folks coming into this league with different sort of backgrounds and different experience like turning it into something that's just really, really interesting and, you know, something you maybe don't expect. I think that was the kind of part of what UFC early. You weren't sure what was going to happen. Something was going to happen, but it often was not exactly what you expected. So this season, I think we got some of that, um, you know, maybe we had a good idea um, that the, you know, the BIC was going to be as good as it was. And, you know, they had figured, but it was like a mixture, right? Like they put, I mean, if you were really watching it, like where they put courage, like they they shuffled their lineup a little bit and just like that change just gave them all the weapons they needed to really go out there and 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 really take take it from Patterson I think and you know who, who knows what will happen next season um, you know I'm I'm excited because you know we get the way we do it you know we have these local owners and if I'm going over and babbling or something you can just stop me no 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 go ahead but but you know I I'm excited for guys to come in and figure out how to get a great team. You know, we just have started where the teams in Orlando, they're good, the good team there, uh, the force out of Vegas, Derek Duncan, uh, outstanding owner there. Um, you know, like, how are they going to get the play? I mean, I, I want them to see the level. 
of the old school teams and bring teams to take them on. And you know when we got teams in Ohio, there are players in Ohio that are just going to be on. I, I just want to see those those guys, you know, showing up and playing. Um, and, you know, who knows? There may be some big international thing we do or something like that. I, but I think it's just like across the board, like that's really interesting to me. Because, I, yes, I love seeing those teams play. But I also would love to see who else is out there. Who else is not playing right now? And it was actually Cam Newton who we were talking to at some point. And he said something like, he said, you know, I, every guy like me knows someone who, you know, players who were faster, who were stronger, and who were better football players that didn't make it. And, you know, I was like, and he goes, this is the league for those guys. And I was like, that is exactly it, Cam. You are right. You Exactly. <laughs> That's who this league is supposed to be for. And we are looking for those guys. And when we find all those guys and we put them together, I think this is a really fun way to watch football. And I think we really have some great athletes now. I think we'll have some more great athletes. And it's still in that discovery phase, right? Uh, you know, like we're still getting to, you know, we get some young players in. We still have some of the older ones. And, you know, we just start this movement of like, you know, how good can you, how good can these guys get? And not to knock any other professional football league, but um, when you're playing in helmets and pads in a stadium that doesn't have a lot of fans um, with players who did not make NFL rosters, it looks like, you know, not football, but not good enough to be NFL. And I, I understand that problem. Um, I've seen it in the mixed martial arts world uh, when we, you know, with the UFC. Uh, as these competitors tried to come up and, you know, you know, grab us or grab our fighters and try to, you know, and uh, today I see this all the time. Everybody, every fight organization in the world says, you know, we are the number two fight organization along with the UFC. I mean, oh my gosh. But I think those, I think that's a real problem. And so it may be that those businesses can sur survive. I mean, it may be that those, those other markets will want teams enough and that those, uh, you know, that the TV ratings are enough and they can sell enough advertising. But I think they just suffer from this problem that they just don't look that good compared to the NFL. And I, I think that's just really, I don't know. Yeah, they'll, they're going to try a lot of stuff. And, you know, if you had The Rock, you could do all kinds of things. Uh, who knows what that'll be. But I, I think that's, you know, our biggest advantage is that we have kind of threaded the needle between what football looks like for people who think about the NFL. Not, we're not the arena league. It's not a crazy. And we're not just another like RC Cola to their Coca-Cola. That doesn't mean RC Cola is not a, I don't know, is that still in business? I'm not really sure. But, they're, but you know, they're around. yeah, but I'm saying it's probably, a, it's probably a pretty decent sized business. But, you know, I, I think that's, that's what I'm not, personally, I'm not that interested in being RC. I'm interested in being something else. And I mean, not to take the drink metaphor too much, too far, but like you can see different drink categories over the last 20, 30 years have come around water. I mean, when I was a kid, you, you know, you couldn't buy water in a bottle. I don't think um, now that's a long time ago, but you know, the times have changed significantly. And so I think where you try to do these other leagues that are like how to go after the NFL with, you know, another spring football league, I think it's a tough go. And I don't, I'm not sure fans, love it i think there's a, a big interest in football and i think we've just got our own lane and you know that's what we did with ufc and i think uh, for the a7 fl that's kind of the secret to our success 
we've got our own lane and, you know, we're doing things very differently. But if you watch it, if you watched UFC when we first did UFC and you like fights, you would like the UFC, period. Like you wouldn't go, oh, I don't know if this fight. Yes, a few people. But I mean, 98% of people who like fights were like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I think if you like football and you watch A7FL, you have the same feeling. You go, holy crap, I like this. And it's fast and it's fun and you see some great stuff. So anyway, that's my uh, that's what I like about us, that it's not just a retread. It's, a, you know, in our own lane doing our own thing. And um, anyway, that's the, that's what attracted me to it. Back to your original question. Why did I do it? I, I like that stuff. I like trying to find our own way. And uh, it's a little longer path sometimes, but um, hopefully it's one that'll work out for everybody. Uh, I definitely think the, the grind is definitely going to be successful and everything for you guys. Because, again, we, we see it in a certain light. We want to help promote it. We want to help get it out there. We want to help bring it here to Northern California somehow, some way, because uh, we know we have an abundance of athletes out here yeah. that would love to, you know, maybe get a shot at this. Most definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's it's definitely something that we're excited to see the growth and, and to hopefully hope be a part of it somehow, some way. But we're right. definitely excited for the upcoming season. We are, again, you didn't have to give us this much time, but all the info, the stories, everything, it, it's just, it's awesome to hear. We appreciate you for uh, coming on. And like we tell everybody else, the door is always open. If you want to come in and right. talk about anything, uh, just let us know when we're here. I appreciate it. Well, you know, like I said, I I, uh, I do see similarities in the in early UFC and what we're doing with A7FL and, you know, that's what that's what excites me. So I I'm glad, I appreciate that it excites you guys as well. And um, you might see a team in Northern California sooner than you sooner than you imagine. You never oh, know. I hope so. I hope so because I want to be. A, I don't know how I'd be able. To, I'll call games for free. To be honest with you, because <laughs> <laughs> like you guys got a team out there in the East Coast. You got Matt and Corey and and, and Rob. You can get me and Kay. And DJ Madden sticks and stuff like that. Well, I'm like, I'm gonna pull a court. I'm gonna go ahead and say that now. I'm a, if they get out here in North Carolina, I'm pulling a court for sure. I'm <laughs> hopping pulling, on a team. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely gonna play. I'm playing. Yeah. You know, get it started, man. I mean, uh, yeah. we're always open to this stuff. But it, that's what it takes, you know, people who are like see it and then want to play and want to bring other guys into it. And then they got to, you know, try it a little bit. You know, I think it does take a little while after you've been playing in helmets and pads for a long time to go back to that, at least for me when I was a kid and we were in somebody's backyard to like see how that is with grown men uh, who, you know, moving a lot faster and a lot stronger. Um, but then you realize, you know, especially our league, uh, you know, the guys all have jobs, you know, or most of them have jobs. They got something to do during the week. And, uh, you know, they should have jobs. And, you know, they're not, they're playing tough, um, but they're not playing to hurt each other. And we've done what we can with the rules. And you see it. It's not like a patty cake league or something like that. It's not, it's not meant to be. But, you know, those guys want to get out there and play hard and they want to be able to go to work the next day and they want to be able to play the next week. So I think it, I think it has this, this, like, again, I'm not saying we thread the needle right, the right way on everything, but I do think we have the mixture there that is, it makes it tough but not so tough that you get so banged up that you can't play again or you get, you know, you see guys definitely, you know, get banged up a little bit in different ways, but it's like, you see the guys are playing year after year, you know, season yeah. after season, every, you know, you see them, they're out there. 
Um, and that's, that's, that's cool because it tells you that like, it's it, as tough as it is, you know, this, it isn't knocking them out of, of the game. And, you know, for us, that's important too. Um, cause I, like I said, I, I have a personal interest. You can imagine it, uh, traumatic brain injury, uh, research in that and CTE and, you know, anything I can do to make the sport a, you know, a little safer. I'm not saying you have to make every sport perfectly safe. You're never going to. Um, but I think certainly we're, we're adding to the mixture here and sort of saying, Hey, this is something different. And maybe this will be something kids pick up and parents will let their kids play. I know today they might look at it and go, that looks crazy. I don't want, but they'll take it. You know, it'll, they'll start to see just like if you go in a dojo now, you see kids training for mixed martial arts, you know, parents see it over time and they get used to it. So I think that that for us is kind of, of, of where we're headed. And I think, you know, like I said, I, I appreciate you guys, fans. Uh, I appreciate your ragging on Corey a little bit. Uh, don't bring me into it. I, I, I see him too often for that. But again, we, we take ourselves, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And, you know, I think that's, you know, that's the fun of the game. That's the fun of the new stuff. And like I said, if you were, if we were NFL, you know, the very different mindset, but ours is, you know, how do we have fun? How do we make it fun for people? And, uh, you know, how do we showcase these guys' talents? So we're doing what we can. Listen, I appreciate it, guys. I got to run. But thank you so much for having me. And uh, I appreciate your fandom yes. and uh, bringing me and the other guys on the on your show. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen of the Jaffa Army, please welcome again, David Isaac. We appreciate you, sir. We'll see you again. Talk All right, to you guys. Soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, there he is. Now my six can finally come in. Ladies and gentlemen, that was David Isaac's uh, co-founder. <laughs> of the UFC, uh, board member of the A7FL, helping that come to light and everything. Um, wealth of knowledge, wealth of information. Uh, just, and I'm sure he can go on longer and longer. We'd love to be able to sit here and be able to talk to him forever, but you know, that's just not the case and something. We now need to get back into football. The game is over. Uh, Bills and Rams. Bills went and put SmackDown on the Rams 31-10. to and DJ Mad Six wants to come up here and uh, talk his shit because uh, Josh Allen got Four 38 tutties. points. Four tutties. And, and Stefan Diggs got uh, 30 points if he round up. Oh, you can go with huh? <laughs> so, 40, so 70 points from two players, essentially. And I got a whopping six from my kicker. Oh, you can get your ass whooped real, 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 real royally. Sean he thought he was winning. He thought he was winning going into this game. It depends on what everybody else does. Man. It don't, it it don't even matter at this point. Oh, shit. Talk that shit. Talk that shit. <laughs> it don't matter. You got a 70-point deficit to catch up on. What happened? What happened? Oh, oh. You got to – Oh, you got a kicker all of a sudden? Now it's on that. The ch- oh, oh. I picked up the, the kicker. Ch- the, champ, up the, the champ can do it without a kicker. I guess not. I guess not. I still got my kicker ain't even played yet, and I'm still beating you. So, you know, this kicker don't make a difference just to fill in that, that slot. I had only one kicker. I was like, God damn it. And only 10 points, too. A fucking 50 yarder and a one. Ah. Hold on. Know, you, said the champ, you, you said the champ just got a kicker. I mean, I've been had Justin Tucker. What you talking about? I mean, I got the best kicker in NFL history. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm really trying. Oh, okay, so I'm I'm obviously looking at 
me versus Mad Six. Let me look at everybody else here. And by the way, the Bills beat the shit like thirty-one yeah. to ten. It was every much, every bit that thirty fucking one to ten. Stafford shit the bed. All them picks he threw. <laughs> Stafford he did like, exactly oh. what I've been saying. <laughs> through hella picks. He sucked, bro. Don't get and then Jalen Ramsey got burnt. He get Chris on it. <laughs> I don't know you, if you've seen that highlight, Chad, but wait till you see that highlight where Stefan Diggs burnt the shit out of Jalen Ramsey. Yo, oh, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, that's what well, like, I looked at. Like, <laughs> when you put that shit in the group, I knew exactly who the fuck did it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he said he burnt the shit out of Ramsey. I knew exactly who the fuck you was talking about. Yeah, that fool about like 20. He had to slow down to catch up with the ball. Yo. <laughs> I'm, man, look, I've been telling motherfuckers exactly what the fuck they just seen. Everybody was like, they the chance. I'm like, bro, Aaron Donald went out of his mind to get that last sack. Because realistically, mm-hmm. if the fucking Cincinnati coaching staff would have did the right thing and got their match protect, double guard, uh, double Donald, we'd be having Cincinnati. Chase Joe, Burrow, in, Joe Burrow to God. Joe Burrow to God to have a goddamn right. Mm-hmm. But that's what neither here nor there. What it is here, there, here and there, Matt Stafford sucking, Josh getting his ass whooped in fantasy. So this whole, <laughs> both of this shit. So far, great. so far. It's only Thursday. You gotta wait two more days for this shit to really fucking unfold. Very yeah, true. It goes. Very true. Now I will say this. I'm not projecting to lose by Cooper much. Cup. I got Cooper Cup on my team. He just got me 34. So I ain't really too much tripping. Uh, I was not going to the You did not. Josh Allen had 42. That shit pissed me off. But then I remembered I had Cooper Cup and I looked and he got 34. So I was like, all right, I ain't really worried about it. That's I ain't really worried about it. Because the Draymond <laughs> ball kicking fucking team that I'm looking at right here has got a nice whopping five. <laughs> oh, I'm in another league. Another league. I'm looking yeah. at the other league then. As I was saying, you're looking at it. <laughs> I got Cooper Cup in the other league. Oh, man. Caleb's not going to be happy about this. Oh yeah, he yeah. I was looking at the other league. He's oh, got yeah. Allen. He started Allen Robinson, one reception oh. for twelve yards. He got two points. No, and he had Bass. He's got, he's, he got yeah, he had Bass. Got eight points, and then Edmonds, the linebacker for the Bills, got him eight points. Yeah, but Darnold, Darnold got me five. Granted, he didn't yeah. do that much, but I still, I still got good chance. I got Vita Vale, I got Jamel Dean, and I got Michael Parsons. I feel like all of those guys are going to play well. I mean, it's still looking like Caleb's going to beat you, but. I mean, just based on the projections, but they still not understanding. They projected Allen Robinson had 14 points. They was completely fucking wrong on that. I knew Allen Robinson wasn't going to do shit because I knew Matthew Stafford wasn't going to do shit. That's pretty much how the fuck that goes. It's a down trickle effect. I had Cam Akers in my other league. He was projected to get 14 points. He got a nice whopping zero. He barely played at all this Loud game. Loud Emerson. So I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess I know who I'm sitting on the fucking bench next week. Yeah. And yeah. Look, the hell of now, a fucking day for the Rams defense and to suck today. You still got to understand. You think Joe Burrow, the God, only going to get 24 against the damn Pittsburgh Steelers? Come on, man. No. No, he'll get 30. 
Easy. At least 30. Okay, so who else? All right, you know what? Let me really break this down. Who else does Mastics have? To where if I really look at it, it's kind of a... He's got Mike Evans. Okay, well, that's that's going to help his cause. Yeah, I got Mike Evans. I got Tony got Pollard. <laughs> I got Josh Jacobs. I got Goddard. Dallas uh, Godair from Philly to tight end. I got Robert Woods from Tennessee. Yeah. Ugh, this is ugly for you. Now I will say this. I will say I this. got hold on. Let's see. I got I got okay. I got Kirk Cousins. You gonna get a he lot not of gonna do shit. Yeah, he not about to do shit. He's gonna give you like eleven points. Damn, disrespectful. <laughs> uh, I got AJ Brown. Rashad um, Bateman. Don't don't expect much there. I am praying to heaven on earth that fucking McCaffrey stays healthy. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Devontae Javon- <laughs> <laughs> Williams, Darren Waller, Chase Edmonds, and then I got Cincinnati's defense against Pitt- Pittsburgh. I got Devin White, Justin Simmons, um, Hubbard, and Wilson from Cincinnati, the DN so- and the linebacker. So most of your points is going to come from Devin White. Devin White's projected to get me 10 points. I, I stand by my statement. <laughs> well, you don't think Javante Williams is playing against a shitty Seattle defense. I figure you he'll think, get me you at least think one. The Broncos is going to let Javante Williams go and they got Russell motherfucking Wilson? You seriously think they're going to let Russell throw the ball 50 times? Come on. They'll throw it. They'll throw it to Javante Williams out of the backfield. Fam. I'll get reception points out of that. I really don't think Russell's not like bro. Javante Williams gonna be lucky if he get 10. Bro, they finna let have Russell Wilson unleash on I'm the I'm not gonna let you guys defense. talk me down on this. I'm not now. Nah, nah. I promise you, bro. I you. promise We're you. supposed to be teaming against these motherfuckers, you assholes. This is inner team <laughs> battle. I can be bipartisan and you got to get your ass whooped, man. <laughs> Fucking Gustavo, he calls me. He's like, hey, McCaffrey's on the IR. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? He's like, he's on the IR. He's like, he's on the IR. I'm like, I looked it up. He's like, oh, he's got a shin thing. I was like, Where'd you get IR tool? It said IR. I'm like, that's injury report, you idiot. Not fucking injury injured reserve. <laughs> it's like he got cleated in practice. So he's got a little cut on his shin. He's fine. <laughs> he's going to play this week. This motherfucker, he's on the IR. Shut your mouth. Oh, he's scaring the shit out of me. I'm like, he hasn't even seen the field yet. He's already hurt. At this point, at this point, and the way his career been going, if you get injured for him, you got to think he he for me. You know that. I'm gonna be honest with you. If McCaffrey gets hurt this year for an extended period of time, never be able to use him really. Man, I gotta say that's the end of ever drafting Christian McCaffrey for anything ever. Oh yeah, I don't care how good he does. Two seasons ago. Yeah, I just went with. I mean, you think about the workload and what the the whole thing is whether or not he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy this year, he might help. But if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk as a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Hey, (laughs) hold on, I got, I got, I got the gun. Hold on. 
Oh, don't be like that. If I had a rock, I'd bust your head, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this um, now, I will say this. Besides the fact that you're doing that, I feel like both of the Pernada brothers are losing this week, man. Both of the Pernada brothers are losing this week, man. I don't care what this projection say. I'm telling you right now, Herbert finna have a rough night. Who's he playing? He playing Vegas. He gonna have a rough night. And all right. Yep, Josh Jacobs finna run on that ass. He finna give me about 18, 20 points. Pollard gonna give me about 16, 17. Evans gonna give me about 14. Goddard gonna give me about 10. Woods gonna give me. Running backs gonna get more than my dog. <laughs> Crazy as hell. hell right now, man. Sticks. Yeah, because Dallas, I can Dallas defense finna lock that food down. That Ooh. shit don't even go together in a sentence. <laughs> you just watch. You watch. I can't wait for this that week. Shit don't even sound right. Nobody you just wait. You just wait for this week. Man, I ain't gotta wait for nothing. I know the outcome <laughs> of this story. This like uh, when Peter met Jelly. Who are you talking about? I'm gonna pop back in on the next show. I'm gonna have the background ready for you as soon as I see you in the docket. <laughs> He's gonna be sitting there waiting on you. All day waiting on you. I said he's already tinkering with all of this shit. He's already made three moves. God damn. Oh yeah, man. He ain't playing with you, Josh. I promise you that. He is not <laughs> all he did was add a kicker for this week. He didn't really touch the starting lineup. I mean, she, he really didn't have to, to be honest with you. After I looked at his lineup. Yeah. Now I will say this. That Robinson motherfucker for Caleb is going to shoot him in the ass. He's going to be mad in the motherfucker this weekend, boy. Ooh, he's going to be mad. What, the Allen Robinson? What? Yeah, Allen Robinson bad. and he got Pierce. He got Pierce starting to go against his Colts. I'm like, come on, bro. We both understand what's about to happen. I understand, you know what I'm saying, you're a realist about your team, but come on, dog. The Texans? Come on, dog. I mean, he's still got – he still got a pretty good chance here. You know, Man, both, hey, hey, both the Bernada brothers drafted a high-level wrist running back. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Austin Eckler's hey, a high-level wrist? Oh, Saquon. <laughs> That's why I went with Pollard. I was, wasn't even finna, like, get a start. I'm like, I'll go with Pollard as a safe bet. Hey, I can't laugh too hard. I got Raheem Mostert. Hmm? He for sure going. Raheem at least played five games, though. You know what I'm saying? He gave you five games. So he's going to do well against New England. Uh, I still found it hilarious he had C.D. Lamb. All right. That auto draft draft really fucked you on that one. Here we the fuck go. (laughs) I should start Aaron Rodgers. C.D. Lamb, day-day looking ass. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go stupid, but I'm not 100% the Mixon sure. one was a good pick. Oh, Joe Mixon, yeah. That was a good auto drive. They did me well there. They're like, all right, we got to make up for it. We kind of hold them. Back to back there. Man. Uh, I was actually wondering. I was like, why are you not? Uh, but then, I mean, Joe Burrow versus Pitt, Rodgers versus Minnesota. Can't really go wrong either way there. I know, and that's the t- that's the decision I'm really kind of mulling over right now. I'm like, shit, do I start Rodgers? Do I start Burrow? 
I don't know because Aaron Rodgers always kill motherfuckers in the division. But he always plays shitty in the first beginning of the year, so I don't know. <laughs> just stick with Burrow. He's got the more. You you just got to hope that Burrow only throws to fucking Jamar Chase or somebody else other than T. Higgins. Well, I don't give a fuck. I got Tyler Boyd. He's a, he's a slot, so. Yeah, but you don't have him in. Oh, yeah, you do have him in. Aha! 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 That's what I'm saying, so. You literally got damn near the entire fucking... I can't really say. I got two guys from the Cincinnati defense. No, I just got... I got Vita and uh, Jamel Dean. That's it. Yeah. But I, I I made sure to get Parsons because I know Parsons gonna go off because that's what Mastics told me for what two years he's been in the league two years so far. Yep. Yeah, Mastics been telling me that the whole time, so I can't. I, why would I knock him? He's a Cowboy fan. I'm gonna get your best player. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, the way we going, he is fucking Dak, man. I'm already smooth. <laughs> Another thing at Dak. Dude, my brother f- fucked me up when it came to the draft. Because he got Justin Herbert, and that fucking caused an avalanche of people drafting quarterbacks. I was like, God damn it. I was going to get Jalen Hurts, but no. Fucking Caleb had to go and get Justin Herbert right off the goddamn bat. Me and Caleb had my background. That's what we had. We came into this draft like, all right. After they fucking did me with CeeDee Lamb, I'm like, okay. So everybody got solid picks. All right. Time to shake this motherfucking ant pile. <laughs> Give me motherfucking Aaron Donald and motherfucking goddamn Michael Parsons. Pick defense now. <laughs> so I could go get a fucking receiver. And shout out to y'all for not picking up Hunter Renfro. That's exactly what I needed. I needed another receiver. That's how I got Hunter Renfro and Tyler Boyd. I appreciate you guys. Should have my other league. I was able to pick up uh, Kels and Kittle. Mm. <laughs> See, I had an opportunity like that too, but yeah. I, ain't even, I ain't even do that. So in my other league, my other league. Why would you my, do that though? My roster in my other league huh? is crazy. I say, why I got, would you do I got that? Burrow, Jamar Chase, Devontae Williams. I got uh, I mean Devontae Smith. I got uh Williams from the the Broncos. Trevor Etienne, fucking Dawson Knox, fuck ass. I got uh Gasky, uh Gettick. You always the tight end from uh Miami. I never say his name right. Gasecki. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Kyler, Devontae Parker. I got Julio. Hines and Rashad White, and you know I gotta get Tuck Dog. Tuck Dog go every time. I got Tampa defense. I feel like I'm gonna run shot. I'm gonna find a way to get Jalen Hurts on my fucking team. <laughs> you want Jalen Hurts? Terrible. Yeah, I wanted him handcuffed with AJ Brown. How about this? How about I make you a ridiculously one-sided trade? To give you Aaron Rodgers. I'm listening. All right. I'm finna fucking, I'm telling you, I'm finna skeleton your team. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, I'm skeleton your team, my guy. 
Wait, you're saying one-sided as if it benefits you only? Well, yeah, you get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he plays well in the regular season. <laughs> now, what will it take for Aaron Rodgers? I'm looking at your team right now. Because I got to see what you need. Go check. Check me out. I'm checking. I'm looking. I don't really need much. <laughs> Draymond's ball kicking fetish. <laughs> That's so funny. Let's see. Got an abundance of tight ends. Mm-hmm. Which I do not need. Well, you're going to need one. <laughs> if you thought Darren Waller wasn't coming, he coming. Oh, oh, yes, he's coming. I'm going to give you one back, but shit. You already have Kyle Pitts. What the fuck? And I'm going to have Darren Waller with him. <laughs> no. No way. That would be dumb. That would be dumb of me. Hey, man, look, you need a quarterback bad as a motherfucker. Aaron Rodgers is guaranteed 30 points. You got Dak and Kirk Cousins. Fam, you lucky to goddamn get out of a house. Let me see. Let me see here. Aaron Rodgers, you you actually need a better running back because I have the starting Miami running back when you have the third string Miami running back as your number two. And your third running back is J.D. McKissick, who's uh, the number three behind Gibson and other dude. McKissick's the two. Okay. Well, you got to really. You only have you only have three running backs, right? And two of them are backups. uh, That's guaranteed to play though. Because the team that they're on, the teams that they're on, they're guaranteed to play because of the way they run the ball, the way they play the ball. Because now the Miami Dolphins have your old offensive coordinator, and you know how y'all used to run the ball. I'm looking at right here. J.D. McKissick is literally only owned in 1% of leagues. Yeah. All right, so obviously – you need a running back more than so this is gonna have to be and you only have Rogers and Burrow, so then for me I got Trevor Lawrence family. You did not see him right there. That's why I'm willing to give up Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you think Trevor Lawrence is not gonna go out there go crazy, you're out of your mind. So then that gives me even more incentive to I don't have to give up ass to get Aaron Rodgers. I do not. I make the difference. <laughs> because, to be honest with you, I could give you. AJ Brown's really a more of a question mark than people understand because Jalen Hurts is not a big thrower. So Jalen Hurts was a was a top three fantasy quarterback last year. I don't know what you're talking about. He was the leading rusher of the NFL. Uh, Miles Sanders is back with the team now. I'm still confused on how is Miles Sanders not fucking goddamn Christian McCaffrey Sr. <laughs> oh, about the same, too. Let's see. I could give you 
Chase Edmonds. Yeah. I don't need mm. all the Miami running backs. I'm cool. I've got I've got uh, uh Ramondre Stevenson. Nah. I got the only one I would actually take is Williams, but that's why I said Williams is not a big enough for Aaron Rodgers. That's not a head to head trade. Well, so yeah, no, head to head wise, yeah, that's not. Yeah, it'll be a multi player trade, which you would have to have somebody equivalent to Aaron Rodgers, which would be Darren Waller. <laughs> and that'll be the only person that I'll probably take from your offense and give you back a tight end because I got three good ones. <laughs> You see how that works, Coach? Mm. <laughs> not doing that. See? Can't. Can't well, do it. Well, good luck with the hip throw. <laughs> can't do it. I can't not have a good tight end on my team. I just can't. I mean, you would get a good tight end in return. It just wouldn't be the level of the guy that you had. Well, that's exactly the problem. No, not necessarily. You got a good top quarterback. It would kind of offset. Because Aaron Rodgers produced the same, maybe more than Darren Waller. But both of those players together average about what Aaron Rodgers average. Mm. See what I'm saying? Because they not running heavy with, with uh, Buddy. I'm telling you, Russell Wilson about to throw that bitch about 50 times. They finna let him do revenge. Especially the way he don't took over the country with that let's ride bullshit. Man, Denver finna be like, we're back. Throw this motherfucker. Throw it. I gotta look at your team one more time. Because your tight ends, it's mostly all potential. It's not guaranteed. I'm confused on what's not guaranteed. One, Fryermuth is up in the air because we don't even know who the fuck the starting quarterback is going to be the entire year. Well, Trubisky's starting now, so that's kind of all that fucking matters. Just now. You have Kyle Pitts, which obviously you're not going to give up. And Cameron Brate, which is the starting tight end right now with Brady. So, And we all know how much Brady throws to the tight end. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to say it like this. Cameron is not even close to Gronk, but he was very reliable for Jameis Winston. Yeah, but he James got – ducks. Yeah, catching ducks. The, this the only one – the only one that makes sense. Is fair move. Is fair move than that. Yeah, exactly. And, that's and what even I that's have. like – I would have gave you him. You would have get points. He projected to get 10 against Cincinnati good-ass defense. So, you – you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need 10. I need like 15. I need 15, 20. 30 from Rogers, so that's 40 in total. That closes the gap. <laughs> but you got to kind of that up. The rest of Mad 16 don't get that same get the same song in their email that tear the club up by fucking Beat King and Gangster. <laughs> yeah, they hear that shit. It is pretty much over for you, family. That, that'll be the end of that day. And to be honest with you, like I said, I feel like for him, I feel like the next player to go bonkers, the Mastics, is probably going to be Jacobs, to be honest with you. I, I actually, no, nah, no, nah, not against the Chucks. Not against motherfucking Khalil Mack. Hell no. Nah. Let's chill. Let me chill. 
Shit. To be honest with you, everybody else going to have a pretty average day. Maybe Hooker. Hooker for the Tennessee Titans because fucking uh, Danny Dimes going to get that bitch up. Unless they uh, starting Tyrod Taylor. And he might have a pretty average day. Well, I say Mike Evans, but I don't really know the game plan. I will say Mike going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get more points than – he probably get 20 against Dallas defense. I'm looking at everybody's roster right now to see who they got. Your best trade is with me, and you know it. Maybe not. I mean, shit. You can get Trevor Lawrence and you can damn walk, but you can give up running back and somebody to fuck else. Am I tripping? Or does Rock only has one quarterback? That's Tom Brady. That's it. I definitely can't trade with him. He's only got one quarterback. I'm not helping my nephew out at all. I'm going to let him take this beating like he needs... That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm, fuck, man. I might have to just roll with who I got. Yeah. I mean, shit. You had, you had a good trade on tape. You had a good trade on tape. Now watch. Aaron Ross going to go for 35. Josh going to be like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and you know it you know it because it's liable to happen you're like fuck yeah. and Kirk Cousins gonna have a whopping 12 <laughs> I'm gonna have to really dig deep in this because we're going over time here but we're going to have to figure this out. But, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, Matt Six making an appearance, talking his shit on fantasy football. So, you know, he had to do that with the first day of the season uh, coming out. Once again, the Bills manhandled the Los Angeles Rams 31-10. to And uh, it's already looking like my hopes of fantasy football glory are going down the toilet. So, uh appreciate you guys once again for hanging out we appreciate david isaacs for giving a good amount of his time talking about the ufc and a little bit of a7fl um coming back monday uh, to talk basically all things football uh going on this weekend from college football to the nfl Corey hammond once again on monday joining us um and you guys already know all the places to find us uh the joffos ap uh on twitter Pernated Rose Productions, Alpha PVP on Twitter. And uh, when you go to just Pernated Rose Productions for YouTube and Facebook, uh, Instagram, Joffo Sports, you guys see all the handles for each one of us to be able to find us individually. Um, Twitch for PVP Studios. And we're going to be keeping you guys updated on what's going on in the Joffo Fantasy League. Who is going to win the $200, the championship T-shirt, and still pending whether or not a ring, a belt, or a trophy. We'll see how that ends up turning out. Um, but once again, for myself, JP, 
for the 610 Beast for the Southeast, Mr. Country K, and for DJ Matchsticks. Hey. We'll see you guys on Monday. Deuces. Deuces. Aloha.